0: Okay, Welcome back, everybody, to the Heritage Radio Network Week in Review. It's Friday, finally. <laughs> What's up, Aaron? How you doing?
1: Hard to believe it's uh, only been a week. I feel like, you know, some days seem, like, super long and some days seem super short. And I just, I'm like, when was a day, like, just felt like a day, you Tell know? Tell me
0: about it. If you're <laughs> listening for the first time, my name is Jack Inslee. I'm the executive producer here at Heritage Radio Network, joined by the one and only Aaron Fairbanks, Whoa. the executive director <laughs> of Whoa, Heritage Radio. Jack had Radio. His caffeine today. Speed round. <laughs> Coming um, <in> at <laughs> So this is where we recap the week in programming here at Heritage Radio Network. Try to distill it in a digestible format for you, because there are many, 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 many things that happen here on a weekly basis with over 35 shows a week. And we like to kick things off with... The last great bite, Erin. I'm going to let you kick this one off.
1: I felt like a champion of life last night. Um, I really my so my definitely my last great bite uh, was a meal I cooked at home last night. I made a porterhouse pork chop from a Berkshire hog from Heritage Foods USA, our founding company, uh, with a little bit of a pineapple, a warm pineapple salad, and some brown rice, but. I always forget the humble pork chop is such a like great go-to when you have to make like a delicious and hearty dinner um, for a person who likes to eat a f- substantial amount mm-hmm. on the fly. And I was like biking home from work and like putting together like my mise en place list. And I, I'm like, okay, first thing, put the rice on. Second thing, bring out the pork to temp. Yep. Third thing, rinse the greens. Fourth thing, and I feel like it was, you know start to finish of actual like working time probably took me about you know 16 minutes (laughs) to to make the meal and i was able to like cook dinner get showered clean my apartment and be ready to accept visitors i I was like you're really doing it all right now you really are
0: so solid (laughs) it's so funny you mentioned pork chops though because i had like the 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 meatiest weekend a person could possibly have. We had a bachelor party upstate for my good friend Tommy, and uh, I was the the MVP. I was yeah. crowned MVP for the meat delivery that I brought from Heritage Foods USA. We had an eight pound boneless pork shoulder, Boston butt. Um, a flat iron cut which I believe is a beef shoulder which like was incredible for steak sandwiches we had like 10 pork chops and tons of bacon and sausage and lamb ribs it was obscene how much (laughs) meat we ate um I yeah I am kind of still a little paralyzed from it uh when I came back on Sunday Odetta and I cooked another recipe out of Lucas Volger's book we made a like a bibimbap just like some veggies you know i, right. I, I can't eat you're meat like right i can't now. eat it's just meat. too much but it's the best damn meat that anybody there has ever had they were all like definitely losing their minds so it's so nice out. you
1: feel like such a champion you're like you, they're like what did you do you're like i put salt and pepper on it and i cooked it. oh
0: yeah tell right. me about it. they were calling me a That's chef it. i was <laughs> like guys i mean i put this thing upside down in the oven for 10 hours and did nothing to it yeah i, I, like, I not mean,
1: said it sure and forget it <laughs> yeah
0: that was all me thank you very much <laughs> much uh so another delicious week for jack and Aaron. who would have thunk it <laughs> i
1: mean i feel like it's to be expected
0: exactly well let's move into the studio and hear some clips from the week all right, so the first studio clip we've got here, Aaron, is, is a doozy. Uh, this is a little bit out of format from what we've been doing on the show Okay, um, okay. up to date. So Gunwash is kind of our like, late-night counterculture show. Um, and we actually, our intern Malcolm, booked this episode a young child <laughs> who goes by Hartha as his uh, rap name. His real name is Aaron Veal. That's his actual name. And he came on the show... And blew us away with some incredible raps that had some of the most esoteric food references I've ever heard from a rapper. Uh, I want to play the clip and then we'll we'll kind of transcribe a few of the real food lines in here. But this is Aaron Veal, A.K.A. Sidhartha, on Gunwash.
2: I'm pretty. I'm hype. You know. I'm, uh, I'm on the gunwash Wash show. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you kick a rhyme? Yeah. I'm on some mother shit. I'm on some pasta with the ink of the cuttlefish already up in my stomach. Shit, my reservoir, dog dug. I can't stomach it. Me, I keep these bars in the arc of the covenant. We finna drop a rack and double it. This week so fire, I gotta roll it with the oven, man. That's your bitch, well, she be loving it when I'm in the mouth on the daily. A dietary supplement, Hey, fuck the government. I be setting precedents with the dead presidents. Fire rhetoric, it's like I'm type eloquent and I'm type benevolent. I'm a degenerate, your whole team just better it. Yo, we sick with no affliction We the dab, demolish a cannabis coalition, yo We smoke L after L, it's so efficient So put me on the back of box if I go missing Can't fuck with you if all you do is coke sniffing Nor can I respect you if all of your flows are written line Spit bars like a bleem, cold with an addiction they ain't y'all ain't got no bars, America and Prohibition Let's get it yeah. Now, Raps it in the middle of the Sunday. Got a tuna better. crudo with a crispy sunchoke There's a first set of faux dishes The ricotta, the radish, and the figs, black mission You know me, I cut some duck Sauté spinach, grilled so fishing, man I'm just chopped and I'm drinking, poor chilling And I'm passing the L, man, I call that core vision White rookie ballin' like I'm Christoph Pazingas And I shit on everybody, so I call him poor selling I send these beats to the fucking mortician Let's get it <laughs> <Woof>. <laughs>
1: Look out, Action Bronson. Wow.
0: You know what I said on the show? I was like, kid, I think I prefer you. I think <laughs> I'll take you over Action Bronson. I mean, some of these highlights. Got a tuna crudo with the crispy suncho. I
1: was like, you had me at crispy suncho." That's
0: the first of four dishes. The ricotta, the radish, and the figs, black mission. You know me, I got some duck confit. Sauteed spinach, grill so efficient. I mean, 17 years old.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, that is... That is pretty dope. Um, do you know where we can find more of his his tunes on Gunwash? Uh, on Gunwash, we're
0: breaking him. This is <laughs> we're, we're breaking this kid. You heard so. it here
1: on Heritage Radio Network first.
0: Yeah, really. Check it out. So that was something. <laughs> the squid
1: um, on the plancha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. So shifting gears just a tiny bit. Oh, please. Um, we <laughs> We had Krishnendu Ray, who is really one of my favorites um, and has been on the network quite a few times, Aaron. And um, he was on Linda Palaccio's show talking, of course, about authenticity in cuisine and, um, you know, why certain immigrant cuisines are cheaper than others. And um, I would love to play a clip from this show that we can discuss. So here it is.
3: What we are uh, what I think we are in the middle of is the next phase is the next 30 million or so people between uh, 1965 and now which has really busted open american tastes uh, which are which is largely latin american and asian uh, and of course both these categories are huge i mean from el salvadoran guatemalan and then if you go even specific closer mexican regional mexican oaxacan uh, you know and similarly with asia of course you're talking about northern and southern chinese you're talking about Canada, Cantonese, Shanghainese, Fujianese, and then various kinds of regional uh, Indian cuisines, for instance, are included in this. So what we are right in the middle of is a great trans- the second great transformation of American taste. And I think that's interesting, that is exciting. No other culture in the world, I think ac- accommodates as much of this cultural difference as American culture does, which makes American food culture very interesting.
1: Wow. I love that guy. I feel like um, one of the things I always want more of is just, like, time with him. And this topic, too, you know, you're thinking about uh, culture and history and race and appropriation. There's just, like... um, There's a lot of moving parts, and I think it's a delicate conversation, and I I love that Linda um, is trying to bring another perspective into it. Also, Kathy Irway, uh, another one of our hosts, just published a great piece on cultural appropriation in uh, cookbooks that is up on Serious Seats that folks should definitely check out.
0: Absolutely. And rounding things out, just to keep it as weird as we possibly can this week, talking about how to eat acorns on Ferment About It. We had Rob Handel, who's the head chef at Bee's Knees Cafe, which is a farm-to-table spot in the Catskills. And he's been doing a lot of experimental fermentation and... um, Yeah, I'm just going to let this clip here speak for itself. Acorns, not something I would have expected to be discussed on the show, but here it is Foment About It. And you suggested that you use acorns, too, as one of those things. How do you make an acorn palatable? (laughs)
4: Well, that's a great question. Um, Well, uh, really, the biggest challenge, most of the acorns that we have are red oaks, and the red oaks have a lot more tannins than the other acorns. So you have to boil them with multiple changes of water to leach out all those tannins. Um, you know the way the Native Americans would do it is they would put it in a river or a creek and let the water. Um, I've heard of people actually like after
5: they break them open, yeah. So yeah, they collect would, like all the the,
4: yeah, the um, middle
5: part. What do you call that? The uh,
4: meat. Yeah, the, of the, the acorn. actual nut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they shell them and there's the actual nut meat. Yeah. Um, the way uh, the way some people do it these days, and I've never done it because it sounds a little ridiculous, is they actually put it in the tank of their toilet. Because it's it's separate oh, from the bowl. I guess that and makes sense. Every time yeah. you flush the toilet, yeah. there's fresh, fresh water. Yeah, so people yeah. who don't have access to a creek do that. I've never done that. <laughs> the, <laughs> makes sense. I mean, that's that's an good. interesting modern <laughs> day. Yeah, take. They, they bleach out there, but I still don't buy it. So um, so what I do is we we crack them uh, and then we just boil them with multiple changes of water, and then you can actually grind them and make a dough. So um,
1: um, you're gonna put your acorns in the toilet. i was like i was with you when i was a kid i feel like i remember reading like little house on the prairie and they were making acorn flour and i would like try to put an acorn in my mouth just like walking around outside and i'm gonna be honest he's correct they are very bitter there is a lot of tan in there
0: but let's be clear he wants you to put it in the tank of the toilet not the bowl you know yeah yeah
1: yeah cool
0: those fermenters they
1: you know they're going in
0: all the way they're
1: going you know what i'm always happy to uh put myself in front of whatever chris or mary prepare i mean they go go through some wacky conversations on ferment about it um but everything i've ever tasted of theirs is super delicious so you know if it's toilet water acorn fermentation sure
0: sign me up sure and with that let's move into the breakdown Young Farmers, Young Farmers, (laughs) Young Farmers.
1: Young Farmers is correct. We are joined uh, by a very special guest, uh, Lindsay Shute, who is the executive director of the National Young Farmers Coalition. In in addition to uh, running her own farm with her partner, Hardy Roots Community Farm. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So we are excited to hear a little bit more about a big event you guys have coming up called Good Dirt that's going to be happening uh, April 10th at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. It's a story horse uh, documentary theater piece um, slash party to support the next generation of farmers. So I want to hear a little bit more about uh, the genesis behind this idea and why theater is the right place to tell stories of farmers.
5: Absolutely. So Good Dirt is a production, a documentary theater piece that was written by Jeremy Davidson and is directed by Mary Stuart Masterson, who are the brains behind Story Horse Documentary Theater, and they are actually CSA members of, of Ben and I at our farm, Hardy Roots Community Farm. Oh, wow. Yeah, and just just uh, live, live up here um, nearby, and they moved to the Hudson Valley a few years ago and really became very inspired by the local farm community and wanted to get involved and wanted to be supporters. And they decided to build a piece around agriculture with their theater company Story Horse Documentary Theater. And they interviewed farmers all across the Hudson Valley, and they settled on stories from six farm families, and they've essentially woven the the real stories, the real words of those farmers into "Good Dirt." Uh, it's about an hour and fifteen minute um, long theater piece that really tells a broader tale of the humanity of farmers, the struggles of farmers, um, and. In, in some cases, the triumphs of farmers. So, it's for us, um, National Young Farmers Coalition uh, decided to get involved and help to produce the piece and host it at BAM this weekend because we thought it was a really rare opportunity to bring the life of agriculture, to bring the life of farmers to an urban audience. Um, so few people have an opportunity to really get to know a farm family and. Good Dirt um, really brings them right into, you know, the kitchen table, um, really, you know, the, the close relationship that Jeremy and Mary Stewart developed with those farmers. It, it brings um, new audiences right into a close relationship with a farmer and I think in, in uh, a very unique way uh, tells, tells um, their stories.
1: Yeah, I um, I think it's such an interesting project, and I really feel like those like narrative kind of storytelling pieces are so like powerful to put kind of a realness behind the term farmer that I feel like gets thrown around, and everyone has their picture or caricature that they put behind that label. And getting to you know see all the different sides of that. I mean, storytelling is really a big part of the work that you guys do through the National Young Farmers Coalition. And I'm wondering if you can talk. A little bit in broad strokes for folks who might not be uh, familiar with the organization why is it important to have a coalition that focuses specifically on young farmers and what is a young farmer
5: that's that's a great question so young farmers coalition came about in 2010 when Ben and I uh, were in about our sixth season of farming we had rented land and we uh, essentially um, knew at that point that that would not be a long-term solution for us. If we wanted to farm for a lifetime, we needed long-term land tenure. We needed to buy land, essentially. Um, there was no long-term lease um, to be had in, in our area. And we went out of the market, and there was nothing affordable whatsoever. Um, at the same time, another farmer we knew was, in a, was renting land and was having a, a really difficult situation with her landowner. And together we decided that... Young farmers needed to be better organized, particularly young farmers coming from non-farming backgrounds. Mm-hmm. They needed to be better organized to represent themselves and fight uh, for policies that would support young people in agriculture because it is extraordinarily difficult um, for a young person to succeed in agriculture today, whether they're coming from a farm family or not. Um, the, the price of land, um, access to markets, um, just the sheer number of farmers that are, that are close to retirement um, and are selling their land um, to non-farmers. So, you know, farms are transitioning out of production that, you know, affects um, the vitality of farm communities, availability of supplies, that type of thing. Um, we realize that you know, none of the existing farm groups, traditional farm advocacy organizations were focusing on the needs of of young people and agriculture. And so in 2010, uh, primarily to influence um, the last farm bill, we formed a national coalition um, of young and beginning farmers. And now we have 30 chapters um, across the country.
1: Wow. So people really heard the call.
5: Well, they did. And, you know, it was, it's really farmers that that make up our coalition um that is the core of our of our membership, and the farmers clearly understand you know the struggles that they're facing and strongly identify with the work of the national young farmers coalition our our board is farmer led our staff, most all of them have experience in farming, and our chapters um, have incredible leaders in them that also you know, help to um, influence and, you know, um, create our our policy platforms, what, you know, we're campaigning for on a national level. So farmers get what we're doing and they support us, um, you know, with their time and their membership dollars. One of the reasons that we were interested in working on Good Dirt um, with Mary Stewart and Jeremy and Story Horse Documentary Theater is because we need more people to understand what farmers um, are going through on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, the theater is a place where they really can be immersed in the experience of a family farmer um, and really begin to have a new understanding of the lives that these um, people are leading and, you know, hopefully will be inspired to, you know, get involved with the National Young Farmers Coalition in a deeper way um, and sort of join the team to, you know, fight for the next generation of farmers in the U.S.
1: Um, I wish that we had uh, a lot more time because I always love um, hearing you talk and learning from you. I know you were recently on episode 279 of the Farm Report talking about student loan forgiveness, and folks should definitely check out that episode. They can find out more about uh, National Young Farmers Coalition by visiting www.youngfarmers.org. Final question, Lindsay, what's the best thing non-farmers can do today to support your work?
5: Well, we have a campaign right now. It's called Farming is Public Service, and that is to add farmers to the public service loan forgiveness program. And so one thing that people can do is they can call their member of Congress and ask them to support the Young Farmer Success Act, which would help farmers manage their student debt while um, they are starting up their farm operations. That's uh, one great way to start and, of course, you know, get involved with the coalition because there are many opportunities like
1: that. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you, as always, and have a great time this weekend. I'm excited to hear how it goes. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Um,
0: All right, and why don't we close the show, as we always like to do, with some big ups. <laughs> Of course, the band Big Up's providing the music here, and this is where we like to just uh, show some love to some people doing great things. And uh, I'll kick this one off, Aaron, a little unexpected. It was a huge, huge week for sports, NCAA uh, sports. championship game. So I'm going to big up sports. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a hell of a championship game. I turned it on, admittedly, with like 10 seconds left, so I only saw the very end. But um, really, really dramatic game winner from a forward named uh, Chris Jenkins on Villanova and did a little research so. We when he was being recruited, the coach was basically actually verbatim called him a fat kid and was like, you're not coming to this college unless you do some serious changes to your diet and your weight. So throughout his years at uh, three years at Villanova, he lost over 40 pounds, completely cut candy soda from his diet. And I'm like, clearly that's how, that's why he made the game winner, right? (laughs) Cut candy, become a champion. It's like, it's that simple kids.
1: (laughs) Oh, but that doesn't mean it's easy because candy is delicious. As
0: you know, (laughs) yeah. But big ups, Chris Jenkins for cutting the candy and being a champ. Good job, buddy.
1: Awesome. Score. Score one for Chris. Well, my big up this week is for the incredibly talented... Just amazingly pleasant and super together. Uh, Alicia Fowler, she works with the Chefs Collaborative. Um, The Collaborative is a national organization that unites chefs around issues that impact our food system. And Alicia has been working her butt off, um, getting ready for their annual summit, which launches on Sunday. We are a media partner, so stay tuned. We'll be bringing you some great keynote talks. They have an amazing lineup. Um, And still some tickets available for... um, you know, single days, single events, check them out. Um, That's the Chef's Collaborative. But I want to send a big shout out to Alicia, who's been doing an amazing job. And I cannot wait to connect with chefs from all across the country and hear what folks are facing um, from, you know, New Mexico and Seattle and uh, Ohio, um, all around the country. It's a really wonderful convening of folks. So definitely looking forward to that.
0: Big weekend
1: big weekend oh yeah Well, that's
0: it for us Uh, if you enjoyed this show please subscribe on itunes leave us a review subscribe on stitcher leave us a review there visit the website Uh, we have tons of additional information and resources for you on every episode page for the weekend review Um, and until next time peace